Have you ever had the thought, when I'm in charge, that'll be different? (laughs) I thought so, and you're not alone. This is often the topic on the podcast. Whether the guests are sharing their learning moments, their called to lead situations, or I'm sharing something I just can't keep to myself, we're in it for the leadership, for those calling forth moments and teachings that are so good we just have to talk about them. I'm Karen Gillen, life coach for business leaders and your host. Let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to the podcast, Sarah DeLuca. Hello. Karen, I'm so so happy to be here. Yeah, and I'm so happy to have you here because I think this is a conversation I've been wanting to have basically since I I didn't even meet you. We just ran into each other in a group program and I thought, wait, what is she doing? How does this work? I need to know more. (laughs) And I want to hear from you kind of like, what do you do and how did you get here? Mm. Yeah, um, there is no direct linear path that I think any coach takes to get to where they are. Um, And for me, um, I come to this work as a social justice activist. um, And I was always like the do-gooder, change the world kind of kid. And so (laughs) I went into nonprofit work um, and spent about a decade there. Um, And um, doing nonprofit work, I realized pretty quickly that I had no problem talking to people about money, um, Mm -hmm. which is a rare thing in the nonprofit world that I wasn't afraid to fundraise people or talk to them about these very emotional topics. And yeah, from there, I realized that those money conversations were my favorite thing to have. Um, And so now I'm a money and philanthropy coach where I get to work with individuals and help them unpack all of the emotions around money and really dig into what they want to be doing in the world and what is the impact they want to have and show Mm -hmm. how their money can align with those values. Okay. So I'm usually talking to the world from the like, what's the work you want to do to have the impact you can have? And you're talking to people about what's the impact you want to have with the money that you already have. Correct. Okay. So talk to me about emotions and money. Why is this such a thing? (laughs) Um, Who doesn't have strong emotions when you think about money? (laughs) Um, I think it's one of those taboo subjects in our society, especially in the U.S., that often we, we hold it in secret. We don't talk about how much we have or how little we have, how much we spend, where we spend that. Um, and I've found for folks who have a lot of wealth privilege, there's even less conversation and there's a lot more secrecy about we don't want our neighbors to know how much we have or mm-hmm. what we're doing with our money. It's so interesting. It's also like what you do with your money and signaling versus what you do with your money and secrecy. Like, are you showing people, mm-hmm. you know, because I was asked that question at some point in my learn how to have money journey, <laughs> which was like, if you look at where your money went, you will see what your values are. Mm-hmm. So is that a big part of the work is like making sure that what they, how they want to show up shows up in their finances? Yeah, a lot of that. And we focus mostly on the giving aspect of their money and where they're giving philanthropically and um, and such. But we also talk about where they're investing their money and where they're spending their money 
to make sure all of that fits that, that world vision that they have. Um, because it's really easy for that to get misaligned if you have social justice priorities and yet you're investing in corporations that are harming the world um, right. and doing sort of the opposite of what you want to see happen. Yeah. What's the internal transformation? So I know they're investing in a way that's impactful, but what's the internal transformation for somebody who makes that choice to have their investments align with their values? Mm, it is, well, first it's a very long journey and it's different yeah. for everybody. Um, I think part of it is um, developing a confidence in your identity as mm. a person with wealth, um, yeah. where you can actually share your story with other people and be open and transparent about what you're doing with your money and feel really good about the fact that you're doing this, even if you disagree with how this money came to you, especially for inheritors, um, being able to own your story, warts and all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Okay. <laughs> why this episode is going to air in December, and I'm wondering why you said December is such a great month to talk about money and wealth. Yeah. Um, well, money is a great time to talk about giving. Um, a lot of organizations are doing their end of year fundraising push. A lot of people who are giving money are thinking about the tax version, the tax reasons to be giving money um, and making those end of year commitments happen. Um, so for a lot of folks who are either in the early stages of working with me or haven't yet started working with me, it's a panic time of, mm. oh, crap, I haven't done all these things yet. <laughs> yeah. um, and now I need to go through this giant stack of solicitations that I've received throughout the year and decide where I'm giving. Um, and then at the same time, it's like, for the folks that I've been working with, it's a lot easier of a chance. We're not in this procrastination mode. We're in the space of, okay, you've done most of the year's giving. So how are we reflecting on what you've accomplished? And what do you want to be thinking about next year? Um, the tax piece is definitely something that my clients think about. They think about the tax implications of giving to nonprofit organizations and how that's going to offset their tax bill. And yet that's not the main focus for a lot of my people. They're actually giving more than is even, mm -hmm. you know, going to make an impact for them tax wise. Right. Cool. So it could be a really busy time of year for you. Yeah. It's a lot of new <laughs> folks coming to me or folks coming for like a one-time meeting just to be like, ah, what do I do right now? Um, yeah. And then in January, it's a lot of goal setting and uh, New Year's resolution type conversations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do I not be in this kind of pain at the end of next year? Exactly. Yeah. How do so I finally get ownership over my money and feel really good about what I'm doing? Yeah. What I want to talk about abundance because that came mm. up for you. What is it? What do we need to talk about around that? I think, and that's part of one of the confidence and identity things that I talk about with folks is we as a society have this scarcity mentality so often about if you give money away, if you spend all of your money, you're going to end up with nothing. You're going to be destitute. You're not going to have anything left. And so we need to have this giant safety net. And that term is relative for everyone. Um, and some people, it means that they need to have $5 million. 
And some people, it means they need to have $50 million. Mm -hmm. And some people, it's maybe having a hundred bucks in their bank account is safe for them. Um, But understanding that money is fluid, money does move like water, and it's okay to take a little bit more risk as a person with wealth. Um, And know that the resources are there and you can do a lot more than... um, than often what your financial advisor may advise for you. So I get to be the other side of that <laughs> conservative, right. you know, fiscally yeah. conservative perspective. Why is that? Why is a financial advisor advising people hang on to everything? It's part of their job is to help people. I mean, part of their sort of mandate is often to help people make sure that they have enough make sure that they're holding on to as much as they possibly can for those potential what if moments in the future, make Mm -hmm. sure their kids have enough, their grandkids have enough, um, how to avoid paying taxes. Um, And that's really what capitalism leads us towards in the first Mm -hmm. place. And they have that fiduciary responsibility to help people do just that um, and make a large return on their investments. Whereas I get to be the voice of reminding people of their values and saying, is that really what you want? Or is a lower return okay if it also means that you're investing in black and brown companies in your community? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's interesting as all of us have a leadership role in our own lives, especially with our money and everything. Is to think about where am I just showing up and letting other people do their job versus where am I showing up and making sure that I know what their job is and I still get to make final call decisions like this one. I think mm-hmm. it's really easy just to go down the road of like, they seem, they seem confident. They seem to know what they're doing. I'll just do what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's often a gender issue as well, um, since so many financial advisors are, frankly, older white men. Um, and for a lot of the the women and trans folks that I work with, that's not somebody who really understands their values and understands their identity um, mm-hmm. and what they actually want to accomplish in the world. Yeah. Bold moves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Disruptive, at least. Yeah, definitely yeah. like shaking up those money trees. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I like what you said about money flowing like water. Because it really is everywhere. Yeah, there's yeah. so much of it. And it's, uh, Lynn Twist talks about this a lot, and I love the analogy. And so I use it so often about money and water, where, um, you know, it can, we can flow that and we can direct that flow to anything that we choose. So it could be going to, you know, companies that are locally owned and doing radical work in our communities, um, or it can be flowing to giant transnational corporations that we may or may not agree with, mm-hmm. um, or it could be stagnant. And if you're holding on to that money and not letting it move, then what's happening to that money that's just sitting, what's happening to that water that's sitting stagnant, then it festers and disease and all sorts of things. So letting the money move and flow is super important, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's fun to hear your, your thoughts, your beliefs around money. How do you as a, are you a solopreneur? I am. 
yeah, how do you how do you do this for you? Or what are some thoughts that we can borrow from you about doing this work when maybe we don't have the big dollar amount in the bank that makes us feel safe yet, or maybe we just hit that number? Yeah, um, I think it's important to think about how you can be directing your money towards things that you care about, no matter how much you have. I always talk to other entrepreneurs and other solopreneurs about starting with what you have and starting small with, you know, what is 10% of your income? Is that something that's possible to move to social justice organizations? And maybe that's too much. Maybe it's 5% or something, but Mm -hmm. to start small and start early so that when you get to the point where you're making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, that percentage increase can continue to grow with you but you're already building up those relationships with the organizations and um, working that giving muscle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fun. What should we be thinking about that we're not right now? Oh, I think we should be thinking more about our investments. And that's something that is still, even for me in this work, is a bit of a black box about the way the stock market works and how it is making an impact in the world, whether I agree with it or not. Mm -hmm. Um, And really unpacking for ourselves and looking into where our investments are sitting and seeing if those really align with our values or are there new ways, are there other ways to be um, investing your money outside of the stock market? There's some really exciting new things that are happening that I think a lot of us just aren't thinking about or know anything about yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've talked with a few coaches recently who are working with green startups and considering Mm -hmm. taking equity in the company versus getting paid for their coaching um, and how we can invest our time and money in creative ways. It's kind of fun to think about. Yeah. Like there's so much creativity when you let yourself think beyond the norm, think beyond the status quo. There's so much out there and there's so much possibility. So we just need to see it and experiment and try things. Yeah. Um, And as somebody with wealth privilege and who works with people with some wealth privilege of a variety of levels, we're we're able to take more risks often with our money Mm -hmm. and try things. And like, maybe it's just going to, invest in something that's not going to work out, but will people learn from it and try and experiment something new and different that we can't even fathom right now? Like, let's try it. Who knows? Yeah. Let's find out. Yeah. So I know before we started recording, you wanted to know why I wanted to connect. And I think, I think it was sometime last year, maybe the year before where I just started thinking more about capitalism and like, what's it all for? And how much money is enough money and what does safety feel like and how, at what point in my business do I get to the point where I want to hold and keep going on this trajectory and not scale just because it's a thing you can do, but like, what's the business I really want to have? What's the income I want to pay myself? How do I want that all to look? So I think for me, it was just interesting to hear you talk about what you do. And I wanted to know how does, how does this apply to me too? Because I knew it did. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Any questions? Yeah, I think there's, 
I think there is such a push and I know because we're in the same coaching group, (laughs) we have Mm -hmm. this conversation um, already, but um, I think there's such a, um, there's such a push in the coaching space, in the solopreneur space of grow and grow and grow and go to six figures, go to seven figures, grow your business, hire the next person. And it's not right for everybody, depending on what you want to be doing. And if you want to have a $5 million business, if that's the impact that you want to have, or is it just to stick to what you're, you've been doing, stay small and have that impact without having the, you know, the responsibilities then that come with having a $5 million company with a lot of staff and paying their Mm -hmm. salaries and things. Yeah. Um, And it's really personal for Mm -hmm. everyone. It is really personal, which is part of what makes me, I don't think the word is nervous. I'm not nervous. It's just like, I just don't really buy into the whole, everybody needs to scale. Everybody should be doing this and then this and then this and this whole cookie cutter that none of us fit into. Mm-hmm. Like I just get really leery of anybody who's trying to sell me the idea that worked for them. Um, because we are so individual and we have different numbers of children and different houses and different expenses in the communities we live in and different desires on how much we want to give and how much we want to pay ourselves and what kind of handbag we want to have. Like it's all up to you and nobody, nobody else really cares about you. So you have to care about you. Yeah. It's figuring out what, what makes sense and what, what level of risk you're willing to take, what level of, income you need to feel sustainable to feel abundant and know that that's going to change over time like the answer is not going to be set in stone at any point it's going to change as family dynamics change as you know all sorts of life things happen mm-hmm. that number is going to be different and so you want to have a bit of a safety net but how much that is and what that looks like is such a personal thing Yeah, I also like to think about when we think about the future um, and I think about folks saving for retirement and I imagine the world that we want to see in 20, 30 years, will we have things like universal health care? Will we have things like college will be paid off by the time kids who were like, not kids, um, people who are having babies now in 20 years when they are sending those kids to school, will college be free by then? Will we not have to save money for those expenses in the future because we're building a world where that safety net exists as a society? Right. Yeah, it's like that idea we have to plan as if we're going to live forever, but live like we're going to die tomorrow. It's sort of like, (laughs) how do I do that on a daily basis? (laughs) I don't even know what forever looks like. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) What are some, so I was like, like if people were going to take this podcast as a course and their first assignment was just figure out your number, what is a safety net number to start with? Like what questions do you ask them to think about? Um, I like to have people think about what, what are the benchmarks that they know they want to have for the future? Um, and what are the things that they know are definitive? What are the maybe things? And then what are the things that are maybe beyond that? Um, And then also thinking about 
how money is going to come into the picture. Like, do you expect that you're going to get money later in life from inheritance or something like that? Even if you're thinking about that 50 years down the road, is that something in your future? And to start having those conversations with your family Mm -hmm. about um, what money exists and what is there. Um, Because so often we just don't have those conversations. Right. Um, We just wish we have that rich uncle we don't know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But even just knowing, like, what are your parents' wishes? What do, you know, how do they want to split up the estate of whatever the estate is? Is the estate a hundred bucks? Is the estate a million dollars? You know, Mm -hmm. Um, whatever it is. Um, And what do they see for their future? because there's so many times that people just get surprises mm-hmm. um, and in both directions. It's hard. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> surprise debt, surprise gift. Yeah. Yeah. So you're all for having the conversations that most people feel like avoiding, want to know, but feel like avoiding. Yeah. Yeah. How do you, what do you think is like the primary support that a person needs? or the thing they need to know in order to lean in and have one of those conversations that they've been nervous to have. I think knowing that everyone is nervous in those conversations. Yeah. Um, you're not the only one, like your parents are also nervous to have that conversation. Your spouse is also (laughs) nervous to have that conversation. Um, but to start small and be open yourself about, where you're at, what questions you have, um, Mm -hmm. and to just be curious as well. Um, finding things out, not for a judgment way, but just to say, Hey, I'm figuring out things right now. And this is the way that I'm thinking about the world. How are you thinking about this? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I love it. I think what's, always good to remember too is on the other side of the awkward conversation is a feeling of connection that you've been craving mm-hmm. most of the time. Yeah. 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 I've started having some big conversations about money with my extended family recently. Um, and it's been a long process, but we've opened the door and mm-hmm. are now starting to have all kinds of new conversations that were not possible a year ago. That's amazing. That's really cool. I I think maybe I'm an outlier here, but like (laughs) it's usually the first night that I get to my in-laws that we talk about long-term care insurance and (laughs) what they want X, (laughs) Y, or Z to look like. And do they want, you know, I know all about what they want when they die and all these things. And it's the same on my family side. And I have to say from my perspective, like I, I feel safe knowing that I know what those people want. They, I know what they want their funerals to look like. I know how they've taken care of themselves and why. And for me, it's like that is a huge gift to me. And the only reason I have it is because they've all experienced what it's like to not have that. Mm. Wow. Yeah. That you are an outlier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's really cool. Yeah. That's such a beautiful thing to be able to have those conversations and then pass them down to, you know, the next generation as well Mm -hmm. um, and start having conversations with kids. Um, My dad talked to me about finance and saving for retirement. And I remember seeing his spreadsheet when I was like in elementary school about 
how my parents were saving for retirement and what that meant. Yeah, that's so, amazing. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, I mean, I'm always a fan of anything that creates more of a sense of freedom in the world. And it sounds like that's <laughs> what your work is rooted in. And I just yeah. appreciate that you're out there, that we have a place to go where we can have these conversations, at least with a coach like you, if we can't maybe do it with our families yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and figure out who are those people that you can have the conversation with a friend, a coworker. We start talking about salaries, <laughs> friends and coworkers. That's a whole other level. <laughs> that is a whole other level. And it's definitely, it's interesting topics, right? Recently, I was talking with someone, a friend of mine, about how much college debt she still has. I'm 40. She's, she actually might be a couple years older than me. I, I don't know how old she is, but I know about her debt. <laughs> but what she said that really struck me was, I would love to go work in social justice, but I can't afford it. And I was like, what, how many people are there out there who know what they want to do, who have this calling to do this really helpful and beneficial work that's super impactful and very needed that can't do it because they're stuck working jobs that they don't like because they can't afford their student debt. Mm. It's horrifying to me because I'm like, what world would we live in if all the people who had that nudge could just follow it, that they didn't have to be trapped by decisions that they made when they were 18 and 19 that you kind of have to make because the world told you you have to go to college and then they made it really expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That is such a common story. And it's one of the things that I work with my folks on the the other end of the financial spectrum to say, like, you were able to make those decisions as an 18, 19 year old. And then when you started working, you had the ability to choose what you were going to do. And it wasn't based on what was going to be enough money to pay off your student loans. I had a lot of flexibility as a 20 something to try new careers, to test things out, to then start my own business and not make any money for a little while because Mm -hmm. I had that safety net. And so I am working towards building a world where everyone has those safety nets, where everyone is debt-free when they leave college, where everyone can take six months off and deal with their own mental health or family responsibilities. Yeah. Because that's a real thing for so many people. Yeah. And that's a world that we want to live in. Yeah. There's so much more space, so much more (laughs) kindness, self-kindness and kindness for others in that, in that space. Yeah. As you're saying, it's about freedom. Mm -hmm. So who, like, if someone's like, oh my gosh, I need to do this work. I'm not ready. Or is this for me? Who, like, what's your ideal client avatar? Who's your person? (laughs) I struggle with this so much. So do I. Um. You can, (laughs) you don't have to get it right. (laughs) Just get in the ballpark. (laughs) Yeah. Um, my ideal client is somebody who identifies as being in the top 10% of wealth or income, um, whatever that number feels like for them, Mm -hmm. um, who wants to redistribute their wealth, who wants to be getting aligned, like get their money to be aligned with their values, um, Sometimes that means it's a 25-year-old inheritor that is just coming into their money and figuring out things for the very first time. 
Sometimes that means folks who have been working their whole lives and have hit retirement and realized that the safety net that they've built in retirement is way more than they'll ever need and can actually start moving that money out. Yeah. Okay. Fun. Well, thank you for taking care of these people. Yes. So happy to do this work. And I'm so glad that you're out here having these conversations, talking with folks, helping people transform their lives. Yeah. It's important. It's important to know what creates safety, what creates freedom, and where are my values represented and how I spend my money and invest my money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I have a few questions. They're not rapid fire. They're more like slow fire because... (laughs) (laughs) then we get to know you a little better. Um, What's one thing that you won't travel without? Um, Oh, I just got back from a trip. What's one thing I won't travel without? Uh, Multiple pairs of shoes. Ooh, why? (laughs) Um, I like to have comfortable shoes, but I also like to have like dressy, fancy shoes and shoes that will match every outfit. Um, whether I love knowing this about you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like the opposite. I'm like, how can I get away with just bringing one pair of shoes that will work for everything and are the most comfortable? <laughs> uh, see, we're all different. Yeah. Um, what's a favorite restaurant experience that you've had? Um, I will say, um, kitchen table in, uh, Tulum, Mexico is, there's a couple restaurants like this, um, in that area, but, um, everything is locally grown, locally caught and they don't have any electricity. So they cook everything over a wood fire. Um, and it's just this beautiful local experience. And because of all that, the menu changes every day. So fun. So delicious. Yes. Those meals where you're like, this is what food came here to be. Yes. Just like this. Um, how do you link into your local community as someone who works online or all over? Yeah, um, I am connected to um, a couple local organizations, local nonprofits. Um, there's a social justice foundation in Boston called the Haymarket People's Fund that I am very well connected to and a huge fan of. Um, and um, I'm also a part of a couple communities that are some local chapters and some larger pieces around other folks with wealth, with, um, with access to wealth and social justice values. Um, so I try to get together with them though the past, you know, 18 months or so, it's been hard to get together in person. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I can. Yeah. Yeah. What's a myth that other people believe about you that you let them keep? I think a myth that people have is that I want people to give away everything Mm -hmm. and I don't want them to keep any of their privileges, Um, which I guess it's like a, yes, I want them to like, maybe some of that's true. And maybe some of that is that I want other people to be able to have those privileges. And I don't think that we have to give up everything to share them with others. Mm-hmm. So you're here to push people a little bit. I am. I'm Nobody gets agitator. knocked over, but you're <laughs> going to push them. I think that's great. 
I mean, in such a hidden and secret topic, like why wouldn't we want someone to come in and poke us a little bit? Yeah. Because it's like nobody's seen it before most of the time. Mm-hmm. Sounds fun to me. Uh, and then finally, where can people find you? Um, people can find me on Instagram, um, move money dash shift power um, is my Instagram handle. That's in my business, move money shift power, um, which I think says a lot about the kinds yes, of things. Yes, it does. That it's I very do. clear. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So folks can find me there and then find out about workshops and things that I'm running um, either locally or online and awesome. ways that we can work together going forward. Awesome. We'll put all that in the show notes as well. I really appreciate you explaining what you do and sharing your your time and your your mindset about money with us. Oh, I'm so happy to do so, Karen. Thank you. Thank you for having this opportunity for me. Thanks for being here, for sharing your time and your ears with us. And before you go, I have something new we created just for you. It's a quiz. Have you ever wondered how you stack up when it comes to the three pillars of business your way? Well, now you'll know. Click the link in the show notes or go to karengillen.com forward slash quiz to find out just what type of business owner you are. I can't wait to see your results. Take good care of you and your people and leave a review for the podcast. It really helps. Thank you and talk to you next week.